0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Uh, a very warm welcome to Squawbox this Thursday morning. These are your headlines. Tesla reports its fifth consecutive quarterly profit as the electric car sales accelerate, sending shares higher in after hours. The CEO Elon Musk Sets his sights on more global expansion. Another thing for sure, was we hit 20 million vehicles,
1: but it just seemed like a good goal to have because that would mean that we're replacing one percent of the global fleet per year.
0: Well, apparently markets have cooled on the prospect of a pre-election deal as stimulus talks drag on in Washington. But the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she and the White House are near an agreement. Spain becomes the first Western European country to record more than one million coronavirus cases amid a pandemic surge on the continent. But the Deutsche Post CEO Frank Arpel tells CNBC he's optimistic.
1: I think the world has done pretty well to protect most of the people on the planet. I, I'm impressed by the attitude of people around the world. And that gives me confidence that the people will behave very reasonable in the second wave.
0: And Sterling has its biggest rally in seven months on rising hopes of a Brexit trade deal as the EU and Downing Street signal a return to, quote, intensive talks. Winners and losers are from the pandemic in terms of the stock market. And we've seen such a wide variety so far this week already in the European corporate reporting scene as well. I mean, we kicked off, didn't we, the likes of Logitech uh, and UBS and then strength in consumer staples, but then weakness in some, such as Danone, who just have not capitalized uh, from the surging purchase of goods. Now, ST Micro. Uh, the semiconductor group, 20.7% higher year to date, a very steady performance. And in fact, I'm looking at the five-year chart, which has uh, a low of this stock back in 2016 of under €5 per share. Now look at them, uh, nearly €30 per share as well. And actually, the the valuation on this stock, if you are looking at technology winners, uh, does not appear to be extreme. If you look at the uh, next 12 months, the forward P.E. on this stock, 24.4. But we've seen a lot more exaggerated valuations elsewhere in the market. But are they justifying it on the growth front? Well, let me just tell you now that they are looking at the fourth quarter and saying we expect sequential revenue growth of 12% at the midpoint. That sounds very respectable, doesn't it? Fourth quarter net revenues are expected to be $2.99 billion. Dollars per share, uh, 2.99 billion dollars, an increase of 12% sequentially, plus or minus 350 basis points. So giving themselves a bit of leeway on that one. The gross margin, again, seen at 38.5, plus or minus 200 basis points. So a little bit of wiggle room for the company there. Year-to-date net revenues, though, have come in already at 6.98 billion euro uh, dollars funny, isn't it, when a company is a European company reporting in dollars, but here we go. Uh, gross margin, 36.3. Operating margin, 9.5 as well. Um, so, yeah, so that's the numbers. They're up 4.4% to 2.67 billion in the third quarter on its own. So that's what we have so far from STMicro. Looking at fourth quarter, as I say, A 12% sequential rise in revenue seen about there as well. And if I could see the screen, because that looks so tiny, that script, but you can see them versus Infineon uh, and Dialog Semiconductor as well. Is it my eyes or is it the screens? There's a perennial problem. Let us move on, ladies and gentlemen, to Tesla. Now, here we go. Shares rose over 3% in extended trade after electric automaker reported its fifth quarterly profit. The Elon Musk-led company has also confirmed its guidance for 500,000 deliveries this year. Well, I always take their delivery protestations with a pinch of salt. Arjun Kapoor, my good friend who joins us now from Guangzhou. But I have one question for you, which I'm sure you can answer, Arjun. Is this company making money from its sale of automobiles or from the sale of of credits as well, because of course they do gain uh, these credits uh, from selling regulatory credits as well. So is the profit coming from cars or credits? Good morning, my friend.
2: Good morning, Steve. Absolutely right. Fantastic question. Yes. I mean, the regulatory credits were incredibly important and have been incredibly important for Tesla's profits over the past few quarters. Uh, Now, I mean, without the regulatory uh, credits that it managed to get in this quarter, the company wouldn't have been profitable. That's uh, simply uh, how it would have been. So it is an incredibly important part of the business. It is is helping them to continue to prop up. But I think the way uh, the balls in this story are looking at Tesla is a Again, it's a startup. I think even Elon Musk uh, referenced it as a, as a startup of many parts, uh, not just the car side, but insurance products, software, etc. And that's really how this story uh, is being seen at the moment by those bulls in the market for Tesla. It's continuing to, to uh, increase revenue as well. You saw revenue growth, growth as well ahead of market expectations in terms of deliveries in the third quarter. Over 139,000 cars were delivered. That's a record for the company, and it's reiterated its target to hit the 500 thousand delivery mark this year, which it looks on track to be doing as well. And it's uh, expected to give further guidance for 2021 as well. But to your point, Steve, yes, regulatory credits are extremely important. I think now what investors are looking ahead to is can uh, Tesla meet those delivery goals? Can it ramp up production as well? It's investing in two new factories uh, in Germany and also in Austin, Texas as well, as well as ramping up production in its Shanghai factory uh, as well. And of course, it's got this very weird future Looking Cybertruck car coming out uh, as well, and questions marks about will that move the needle as well? I think the big question for the market is five straight quarters of profit. Can that continue? And can Tesla look to boost other parts of its business as well, including around the uh, on the automotive side? I think one thing I will say to that point, gross margin was higher even when you excluded the uh, regulatory credits as well. So that certainly is a plus sign for the market as well. Steve, back to you.
0: The market, this wonderful concept, the market, which I've struggled with for over 30 years as well. These shares were trading Um, Well, I mean, let's get the shares up and we can show just how bonkers the the share move is on this company as well. So where were they trading at the uh, the last 52 weeks? Let me just get that up on my screen as well. Okay, so the last 52 weeks, they've had a $50 to $502 range. Is that right? Am I looking at the right thing? I think I am, aren't I? That is quite extraordinary. So the market, um, Arjun, is this about investors who are buying into the profit story at um, this electric car vehicle maker and electric motor maker? Or is it a set of individuals who are just buying it regardless of valuation, regardless of how many vehicles they sell?
2: I think the way the Tesla story, it's, it's a couple of points, I, I think, you know, we, we saw that Robin Hood phenomenon, of course, um, through this year. And I think you've got part of that people investing in the brand name. I think one of the points around Tesla is this is a premium car maker that is leading the market when it comes to electric vehicles. It's making premium products. China is a key part of this story as well, where it really is uh, continuing to grow um, hair as well, despite the intense competition as well. So that's one part of the story. But also there is a sense that this, uh, as, a, as one of the sort of first movers in this electric car market, Tesla's very much ahead. You've seen comparisons to, say, the Apple model, where Tesla's not just in control of the hardware, but it's about the software, it's around the services, around insurance, etc. These are seen as future business models as well. So there is a sense from investors here, they're not just investing sort of now and because Tesla's managed to turn a profit for the last five quarters, but it's also about where this story goes as we move further into the electric vehicles space and as electric vehicles become more important i think it's important to know it's not just tesla as well you're seeing some of the other electric car makers think about neo over uh, the chinese car maker listed over in the u.s as well that's seen a big run-up in shares as well around this whole electrification story
0: okay all right So I've just done a comparison between what is the best car brand in terms of the market valuation and one of the best stocks out there in terms of market valuation, in terms of uh, anticipation of the the profits that can come, i.e. Amazon and Ferrari. I don't think anyone could argue that either of those aren't highly rated stocks. And we've seen as in Amazon's case, a stunning potential going forward in a whole host of areas. In Ferrari's case going forward, it is the premium mark. It's proved it since its IPO. It's put a lot of us doomsayers wrong as well. Ferrari trades at 42 times forward. Amazon trades at 75 times forward. So 42 times forward, 75 times forward. uh, And um, those are both a stunning premium to both the Nasdaq and indeed to the broader S&P, of course, as well. Tesla trades on a forward valuation. Let me just see where I can find it now. I've actually just taken it off my screen. Here we go. 143 times. So double Amazon and three and a half, what are we talking, uh, nearly four times what Ferrari is trading at. Uh, I, I, I love the conversations, Arjun. You stay well, my friend. We'll talk to you later, hopefully. Talking of uh, automobile ancillary services and tyres, basically, uh, Continental uh, says it expects to post a third quarter loss amid a sweeping corporate overhaul. The German auto parts maker said EBIT and net earnings will be negative for the quarter as it tries to absorb over a billion euros of impairments restructuring expenses. Continental had already warned profits would be lower this year as the auto sector, this is the auto sector, not Tesla, yeah, uh, battles with a fall in demand due to the COVID crisis and a shift to electric vehicles, which I find a very extraordinary thing for a tyre manufacturer to say that a shift to electric vehicles means that they're going to sell less tyres? Or maybe they're just selling the wrong auto parts, according to what those Tesla numbers look like. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says there is a prospect for an agreement before next month's election uh, following her latest talks with the Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. Uh, on a new stimulus package, the phone call between the two... We haven't told how long this one was. Every day they tell us how long it was. Like, what was it, 40, 45 minutes yesterday? An hour of the day before? Anyway, this phone call, we don't know how long it was. Between the two followed a failed attempt by Senate Republicans to pass their targeted $500 billion relief bill on Wednesday with the Democrats still sticking to their $2.2 trillion proposal. Pelosi called on the White House to help create consensus.
2: It's up to the president uh, to convince people in his own party, but you have to also remember how hard that is because some of them really don't care to spend any more money to crush the virus, uh, to make our schools safe, to honor our heroes, to put money in the pockets of the American people. That is so needed. But again, I'm optimistic uh, that there will be a bill. It's a question of is it time to pay the November rent, which is my goal, or is it going to be shortly thereafter and retroactive?
0: Are you really trading every millisecond and every point on the back of those conversations, ladies and gentlemen? It's a great couple of headlines. I I just tap in. You know I tap into any old search engine. There are others out there um, this morning and every morning. You know, I just put in U.S. markets, so I look at the U- the CNBC copy, then I see what other copies out there as well. Uh, and, and you'll like this. So uh, on, on the on the on the top searches, on top stories, on, on I just literally try the same, maybe a difference in different jurisdictions. I put in U.S. markets, and I, and I got seven hours ago and eight hours ago. Okay, so eight hours ago, U.S. stocks climb as investors await signs of stimulus progress. That was Business Insider. Seven hours ago, Wall Street Journal: Stocks declined as stimulus talks continue. So, I don't see a lot of difference between the await signs of stimulus progress and stimulus talks continue, i.e. both the headlines are saying they're going, one says we're going up, the other one says we're going down, according to Business Insider and Wall Street Journal. Both excellent publications, but, you know, just telling how banal this whole thing has become, that we apparently we're up or down based on the fact that continuation of cons- uh, um, consultations. Anyway. This is what we ended up doing net-net on the U.S. markets. We, we fell across the board. They weren't massive declines, but they were enough to say we're pretty much down in the mean, in the round, five out of six sessions as well. Data again yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the data because it's so unfashionable to do so. None of you seem to care. You look at the corporate earnings, you look at the stimulus talks, you look at Brexit, you look at COVID. You don't seem to be looking at data. Well, I do. Uh, Beige Book, have a look at it. It's interesting. It just shows steady incline of economic activity across the United States on both the industrial and the consumer front, the jobs front as well. But actually, steady improvement. No big dropping off the cliff yet. And obviously everyone's concerned about the second wave and what that means for the economy and the spending and that. And again, I will continue to look at the evidence as I see it. And at the moment, it appears that there is a steady incline in activity. Steady, albeit. But despite that, energy was under a vast amount of pressure. I mean, the oscillation and the violence in energy at the moment is quite extreme. So we saw the energy index down a couple of percent yesterday. But what we did see was Brent and WTI both getting an absolute drubbing yesterday. Again, supply concerns, inventory build-up concerns as well. And I've said this to you before. Have a look at the five-year OECD levels as well to work out what the producers are going to do. If you're way above it, which we are, of course, uh, then the producers will feel more of a need to act. As as we get closer to the five-year average on OECD inventory levels, then the producers pull back a bit. And then maybe you can have a little bit more educated trades And sometimes when you're playing this stuff as well. But energy index down a couple of percent yesterday. Incidentally, the consumer service, I beg your pardon, communication services were up 1.3%. So, you know, I told you earlier in the week, we didn't have a lot of oscillation between the highest performing and lowest performing sector. Yesterday was over 3%, so becoming a little bit more normalised, a little bit more stock rate station Breakouts. I talked about breakouts yesterday, didn't I? A mighty increase in the yield on the Treasuries. And, and it's not mighty, and I'm being slightly tongue-in-cheek, as is my warrant, because uh, no one else can talk this hour, because Jeff won't don't turn up this hour. so um, <laughs> He's going to kill me now. Uh, 0.816. Uh, he's working late today. Um, US Treasuries. So it is trading at its high, near its highs. I think the, the high was actually about 0.83 as well. But the point being here is uh, the further you go out on the yield curve, it tends to pick up. I saw a nice line yesterday, actually. And apologies, I can't remember where I read it. But it was actually, if you really want to see what's going on the Treasury curve, don't look at the 2 to 10, because they're the ones who are the most manipulated by the central banks. Have a look at the 30-year. And I thought that was quite an interesting line, isn't it? The 30-year is less manipulated by central banks. Hence, the yield uh, is more of a reliable barometer of what's going on in the market. If it's true or not, I just thought it was quite a nice comment. Uh, 1.62% is your yield on your treasuries. Would you like to look at the dollar? Yes, you would, wouldn't you? The dollar cross, the dollar remains under pressure. Where are you? Um, uh, HSBC now on this one as well. Um, uh, David Bloom, don't get bunning to come in. You come in and tell us about it. Uh, dollar remains under pressure as well. 118.44. A cable. Um, again, where are the talks? Uh, flying. But the, again, p- the pound rallied hard yesterday, yeah? And it is rallying hard, One thirty-one, 130, thirty-three. 133 These are our highest levels uh, since at least the middle of the year. But, 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 if you think Brexit is going to happen with a trade deal with the Europeans, wouldn't you be buying Euro- uh, the UK stocks as well as buying sterling? Wouldn't it float all boats? Sterling had a horrible day yesterday. I beg you about the pound. Uh, pound had a good day the FTSE, i'm talking about the FTSE was down 1.9 percent but then the dax was down 1.4 and the cac down 1.5 as well so the knee jerk on the dollar earners yes but wouldn't you be saying all oh, these uk companies are better because they've got more confidence on brexit no okay anyway coming up on the show in an exclusive interview with cnbc deutsche post dhl ceo frank apple backs the company's four-year guidance we'll uh, speak to a about that after the break Welcome back. Spain has become the first Western European country to pass one million coronavirus cases. We should say confirmed cases, because I reckon there's stacks more out there that we're just not spotting, surely. Anyway, this after 17,000 new diagnoses and 156 deaths were recorded yesterday. The milestone comes as lawmakers continue to clash on containment measures. The country's far-right Vox party has filed a no-confidence motion in Pedro Sánchez. Meanwhile, Health Minister Salvador Ila... We'll meet regional leaders today to talk next steps. Germany has reported over 11,000 new coronavirus cases in the past 24 hours. That easily surpasses the previous record of just over 8,000 infections and is more than double the number of daily cases seen just a week ago. Uh, And this comes after the German health minister, Jens Spahn, tested positive for COVID on Wednesday. He had taken part in a cabinet meeting yesterday, albeit he was wearing a face mask. And now no cabinet ministers aside from Spahn are currently self-isolating. AstraZeneca set to continue its COVID vaccine trial in Brazil despite the death of a volunteer. Brazilian health officials say there are no concerns about the study's safety, indicating the subject had not received the test vaccine, but was instead part of the comparative control group. And, Juliana, look... Um, What I've learned about um, phase three over the years, I mean, there's a huge amount I've learned this year as well. This is pretty much a blind survey as well for a lot of the, 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 the people taking part in it. But the point of the matter is we understand and I'm seeing a lot more details about the individual. And I don't know how much I'm allowed to say on this channel, but we understand that he was taking the placebo. Albeit the tragedy is this was a very young man and a health worker volunteer, we understand.
3: That's right. So this news, when it officially, when it initially hit the wires yesterday, the headline spooked investors and we saw a drop in AstraZeneca ADR shares. The news is that a volunteer in the Brazil study has died. And this news came across the Brazilian Health Authority on Monday and they have since received a report, a partial report anyway, from an international committee assessing the trial and have deemed it safe to continue. Now this paired with comments from University of Oxford. And sources that have spoken to a variety of news agencies, Reuters being one of them, that suggest that the volunteer was in fact part of the control group, so didn't take the vaccine, but instead took a placebo. So in terms of what the University of Oxford has said, they confirmed the plan to continue the trials, saying in a statement that after careful assessment, there have been no concerns about the safety of the clinical trials. They can't say more because of patient confidentiality. The Federal University of Sao Paulo, which is helping coordinate the phase three trial in Brazil, said everything is proceeding as expected without any record of serious vaccine-related complications involving any of the participating volunteers. So again, all of this supporting the uh, the um, a claim that the volunteer was part of the control group, not part of the vaccine group. And as I mentioned initially on the news, we saw AstraZeneca shares drop as much as 3%. That was in the ADR, given this happened late yesterday in the evening. And just to put this into context of where we stand on the AstraZeneca trial overall, we are still waiting for the U.S. trial to resume. You'll remember back in September when we did get news that a patient had fallen ill here in the UK AstraZeneca had to halt the trials globally. They have now resumed in the United Kingdom, in Japan, in South Africa, in India, but they haven't resumed in the United States. So we're still watching that closely and waiting. Uh, AstraZeneca CEO said back in early October that it did expect the US could resume this year, which would keep them on track to um, seek approval should the results come back positively. But that is really the next hurdle that investors are watching. Steve?
0: Thank you very much indeed for that, Juliana. Right, Uh, Deutsche Post DHL CEO Frank Arpel is back. The German logistics company's plan to invest €2 billion in digital technology by 2025. Speaking with uh, our very own Aneta, Arpel played down concerns over the pandemic, saying demand is beginning to recover. Well, Aneta, for a logistics company, I don't think demand ever went away, did it?
4: Well, actually, demand dipped slightly um, right in the crisis when people just were shell-shocked and didn't shop anymore. That was also affecting DHL, and then uh, that was also the time when they actually uh, corrected their guidance because they had a guidance in place like from last year, October last year, their 2025 strategy, and they updated us um, in October with a new uh, target of uh, EBIT which should be higher than 5.3 billion euro by 2022 in case we see a V-shaped recovery. I think it's an interesting guidance because it clearly depends on which kind of a recovery we are going to get. And that's also why it's so interesting to hear from Mr. Apple himself what he thinks about the outlook for the economy given the resurgence in cases. But he is not actually really downplaying it, but he's saying that people seem to be very adaptive to the crisis, and they're not as shocked as back in spring, that cases are on the rise. So take a listen to what you said about the outlook, what do you think the recovery will look like?
1: This is, of course, unfortunately not predictable at the moment, and we said our guidance is depending if it's we, you, or L-shape. L um, I have not more foresight than a couple of weeks ago, but at the moment, with the second wave, we probably will move more in a U-shaped direction, even if I wish still for v shape On the other side, there are some encouraging signs. People are still continuing to consume, and it is a, it is a demand-driven crisis. And if you see that car producers are now selling more than the previous year, you know that's encouraging. So it's very much dependent on how consumers will behave in the next three to four months. At the moment, it looks like. You know, that they behave more in a way, you know, world is moving on, you know, let's protect myself and I will consume um, as well. So that we get see the same economic downturn as we have seen in the second wave is very unlikely. So it will be something between a V-shape and U-shape. That's probably what we currently can assume.
4: So one thing is clear, Dr. Post, uh, with its DHL arm, is clearly a beneficiary of the current crisis with um, delivery volumes hitting another record after another record. And also what he thinks is that the holiday season will actually be most likely the best for them holiday season ever because more and more people are ordering online and that trend will not reverse most likely also when Corona is going away.